Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Fan Junkies Radio. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, Mike McShane. Mike, what's going on, man? Ah, real good, Jonathan. Real good. Real good? Why is that? Well, I, you know, I, I should be a little tired because I was up late with that game last night. Great game. Terrific game. Oh. Uh, exciting, man. Just very exciting. Well, we'll be getting into that real, yeah, real quick gonna, here. Yeah, we are going to get into that. Real, yep. real quick here, but... Uh, good show today. Joining us, uh, we spoke a little bit about her on Monday, and that's uh, our good friend Tanya Mercado from CityFieldOfDreams.com will be joining us at around the uh, 12.15 mark here to uh, talk uh, New York Mets baseball with us, Mike. Yep. yep. Um, we're going to touch on Bob Koss's, uh comments as well as his uh, private apology to the Mets. Zach Wheeler's big debut last night for the New York Mets, and why can't they hit, Mike? We're gonna I don't find know. Uh, uh, we, we got our own problems in Philadelphia with that as well. Uh-huh. Must maybe be something in the water around here. Maybe it's something in the water of the NL East, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, let's start it off good, Mike. Today in sports. Today in sports, I'm going to take us back to 1943. This is uh, one that uh, uh, many of us here in the Philadelphia region kind of look at as almost like folklore. But it was actually on this date in uh, 1943, the NFL approved the merger of the Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers, thus creating the famous Steagles. Steagles. Yes. It was all done as a result of the fact that uh, they were losing, the NFL was losing players due to the uh, war. Mm -hmm. And so what they had to do is they had to combine, not only was Philadelphia and and Pittsburgh combined, there were a couple other teams combined as well. Um, The Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers stayed this way for one season. That was the uh, 1943 season. Interestingly enough, in 1943, the Eagles went back to, or 1944, the Eagles went back to being the Eagles. The Steelers, however, continued to combine, but they combined with the Cardinals. Damn. Yeah. Fascinating so, stuff. A little bit of history for everybody right there. There you go. You got a little history. Steagles. You're around for that, right, Mike? Uh, no, I don't recall that. No? You didn't have a Steagles jersey? Uh, no, but I wouldn't mind getting one if they have a throwback. Uh, <laughs> you know. Sounds like a poor attempt at a nighttime snack. Actually, I do have pictures of it, which I'll be posting up on the uh, Frat House Sports Facebook page after the show. Uh, you'll get to see the actual uniforms that they wore as the Seagulls. The Seagulls' name actually was never actually approved by the NFL. Oh, they yeah, we think so. Yeah, they just called them the Philadelphia-Pittsburgh uh, team is what they called them. Philadelphia, it was like Philadelphia-Pittsburgh. Philadelphia-Pittsburgh. <laughs> that, that that's was a good name. Temporary, <laughs> well, you know, they knew it was only going to be a temporary situation. So that, that's what they called them, but the – you know, the, the fan bases kind of took it and, and ran with it and created the Steagles moniker. Yeah. Hmm. I like to see that going down in New York. We'll have the Manhattan Queens and the Brooklyn Bronx. Can you imagine? You think it would work? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. As you can see, it didn't work the last time. So. <laughs> okay. All right, let's talk a little bit about last night's basketball game, Mike. Because wow. we have a tied series, and it's going to Game 7. 
Yeah, and who does Duncan? Yeah, Miami beat San Antonio Spurs last night, 103-100 in overtime. Mike, you watched the game last night. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? I, I got to tell you, I, you know, going into the second half, I thought for sure San Antonio's game, this is it, all right? And even through the first three quarters, it was San Antonio's game. In fact, at one point, they were up by 11 points. Yeah. Uh, LeBron was horrible in the first three quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it went three at 12 from the floor. But it was the fourth quarter. It was all fourth quarter. Uh, And it was just absolutely incredible. They turned the thing. uh, uh, San Antonio had a five-point lead with about a minute left in regulation. And the game was tied and went to overtime. And, uh, well, as as you just pointed out, it turned out to be 103 to 100 Mm -hmm. uh, in favor of Miami after just one five-minute overtime uh, period. Yeah, well, really, you know, it really wasn't a lot of scoring in that overtime period. Eight points for Miami, only five for San Antonio. Uh, well, you know, it was a, it, it, it actually on both sides of the ball from about the second half on. It was a very, very well played defensive game mm-hmm. uh, on both sides on both sides of the uh, court. Miami played a very good defensive game as well. Um, I'm just checking uh, real quick uh, uh, field goal field goal shooting for uh, uh, San Antonio was only 43.5 percent for the game. Yeah. 46.9 for Miami, so Correct. it's close, yeah. close. But you yeah. know what? The but big thing here was the 27.8 from three-point land. Danny Green, one of five. I mean, three points from Danny Green, who's been lights out in this series. Correct. As well as Manu Ginobili only putting up nine points last night in 35 minutes. That hurts. Correct. That hurts. As well as, of course, once again, not really getting anything from their bench. Tiago Splitter doing nothing. Gary Neal doing nothing. You know, these are players that have to step up for San Antonio. Yep, yep. Can't, you know, can't be on Tim Duncan and uh, – Kyrie Leonard, man, what a what a game from him last night. Eleven rebounds, twenty two points. And, and and Tim Duncan on the other side with San Antonio, just incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people questioning why uh, Popovich had uh, Duncan sitting on the bench for a good portion of that fourth quarter. And I I just think that that was a matchup situation. Yeah, probably was. I think I would have left him in anyway. I mean, he was he was just on fire last night. So thirty points, seventeen rebounds. But let's look a little bit at Miami. LeBron James with a triple-double, 32 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds. Chris Boss, 10 points, 11 rebounds. Dwayne Wade, 14 points, Mike. We said we wouldn't see another game like that from him, and so far we've been right. Well, you know, each person seems to have stepped up and had their one game. That is on both on both the teams. Yeah, last night was Mario Chalmers, finally. Well, <laughs> and, and if you go over to the other side, uh, Tim Duncan. Yeah, well, you not even that. It was Kawhi Leonard, you know, yep. with that 22 points, 11 rebounds. That was pretty yep. big for them. So. Yep. So but, it seems like each each game there's another role player that steps up and takes the takes the spotlight. Yeah. You know, you got to wonder who's it going to be in Game Seven. That's what I'm sitting here thinking. Who's it, is it going to be? Tiago Splitter? Is he going to you know you know get a little redemption for himself here in Game Seven? Because I mean, he came in as one of the uh, top players for San Antonio, and he's been on the bench now the last couple of games. Yep. Wow. Even Gary Neal. I mean, even you know what? You look down at uh, Miami. You know, you, you look at guys like Chris Anderson, maybe even uh, Udonis Haslam. Why not? So it's going to be an interesting in, game seven, Mike. You throw in, uh, throw into uh, last night, uh, Battier and Allen coming in off the bench for Miami at critical points, and both of them picking up nine points each. Um, and and those those points actually made a difference when they had to have them. Well, Ray Allen's one three pointer that he got was huge, and Shane Battier three for four from back there. Correct. That helps. You know, nine points helps, man. And here we go again, and we're talking about game seven. And I've said, Jonathan, that this series. It seems like with every single game, the momentum, at least in my feeling, the momentum switches for me. Yeah. And here we go. 
we're going to game seven. I got to think Miami. I mean, San Antonio. Well, if you go down and look at the actual series of who won, who lost, who won, who lost, San Antonio is supposed to win game seven. <laughs> it, it, yeah, except, right. I, 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 I'm capturing your pattern. However, San Antonio blew the opportunity to take the oh, absolutely. Absolutely. To take the championship last night. Absolutely. And uh, that's got to give Miami a great deal of momentum. I don't know. You know what? I think with two teams like this, Mike, uh, going into a Game 7, I, I, I have to say both teams have the momentum. I, I think both teams are going to come out firing. They have to. They got no chance. I mean, this is it. One game, that's it. One win is going to bring home the final championship. There yeah. is Game 8, so... I think both teams are going to have to come out firing. I, I think it's going to be a very close game. You're not going to see a blowout. And I think if you do see a blowout, I'd be very shocked. Yeah, so would I. I would agree that I would be very surprised if it were a, a blowout. But um, I, I got uh, I, I to gotta, I, – I don't know. I just got to feel that, in fact, uh, you'd have to give a little bit of an edge to, uh, uh, to Miami. I'm actually looking right now. I'm trying to find uh, what the early line is on the game. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the game is uh, Game 7 tomorrow, Thursday, uh, Spurs versus Heat in Miami on ABC, 9 o'clock right. at right. night. So everybody's going to have to check that out. So I, Friday, Mike, we're going to be uh, talking about the uh, newly crowned NBA champions. Yes, we will be. Yeah. Yes, we Sorry, will be. We had that today with, with, with San Antonio, but I guess that wasn't the case. So. I, I really thought, I'm going to tell you, last night I, 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 I'm I sitting there, I'm going, okay, we're going to be talking about uh, – uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, the San Antonio Spurs being the champions. I really did. Yeah. Uh, there there was little doubt in my mind uh, through most of it, and it just got tenser and tenser as you continue to watch through it. Absolutely. Let me just see if I can find the line for that for tomorrow. Yeah. Right now, Miami is a six point favorite. Hmm. All right. Well, listen. But what we do have to talk about, Mike, is the bandwagon fans down in Miami. Boy, oh boy, what a disgrace. And. Wow. Miami Heat fans, I mean, they're only down by a few points, Mike. Yep. They left. They left. They all were leaving. They were piling out. Dan Devine over at Bull Don't Lie on Yahoo Sports. Uh, love Dan Devine. Love his blog. And uh, he's got a whole bunch of tweets from people, um, especially from uh, Victor Aquendo. And I believe Victor Aquendo is, um, works for uh, WPLG Local 10 down there. He said, he was going to throw up because he was outside setting up for a live shot, and he's just watching fan after fan after fan leave. And he goes, now he's watching a horrible, drunk, quitting fans desperately trying to get back in. This is madness. None of them deserve to be let back in. They are pounding on the glass doors. They might need to call in the big dog soon. And guess what? The f- cops finally came, and the fans were still pounding on the doors trying to get let back in, and they're screaming about how much they paid for their tickets. But you want to talk about how much you paid for your tickets? You left during the game. Would we expect anything different from I? And I, you know, again, I I don't want to malign all Miami fans, but would we expect anything different from Miami? Seriously, oh. what a disgrace! Yeah, I mean, first of all, they were only down by a couple of points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you're in a deciding game, and you're going to get up and leave. <sighs> then they're all realizing that, of course, the game's going to overtime, and that's when they're trying to get back in. Yep. You know. I, I found it just hilarious that they were trying to get back in and yelling about how much they paid for their tickets. I lost the game. You walked out of the arena. You're not getting back in. You don't deserve to get back in. You can't even get back in if you walk outside because you forgot something in your car. You're not going to get back in. And like uh, you, you don't deserve to get back in. That's that's oh. the bottom line. 
Uh, here's the thing. Everybody that left that building last night, Mike, I'm going to go out in a long shot here, and I'm going to say probably about 1% to 2% of them actually know who Harold Miner, Ronnie Cycli, Keith Askins, and our very good friend Willie Burton are. Mm-hmm. They're not Miami Heat fans. Yep. They became Miami Heat fans, and I guarantee it, when either LeBron came or when Shaq came a few years ago. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it, because let me tell you, I, it, I've been in many, many games, Mike. You know me, I'm a New York sports fan. I've seen a lot of blowouts against my teams. I stayed till the end. You have to. You know, there was one time I was I was thinking about leaving, Mike, and uh, it was a Mets game probably seven or eight, probably about seven years ago, six years ago, and, uh, wow, between Damian Easley and Andy Chavez, they hit two doubles, sparked a comeback, man, and everybody that left, man, we were laughing at them because they were outside listening to it on the radio. Yep. You know, you don't do it because you never know it's sports, especially when you're – I mean, listen, if San Antonio was up by 20 with three minutes left, I can see it. But even so, it is your team. You're there for a game where a team's winning an NBA championship. It is history. Even well, if it's against your team, I would like to be there even to see it. I mean, I'd be upset, but how many you know how many chances do you get to see a team celebrate a, an, an NBA Finals win? Yeah, uh, you make a great point, and uh, there are a couple of things. Uh, you, you, first of all, you said you thought it was hysterical. Oh, I actually just... find it. I actually find it uh, really kind of disgusting, to be perfect. Oh, no, it's disgusting. But I find it hard because in this day and age now, this is happening all the time, Mike. There, there, there's really not a legit 100% sports fan anymore. You know, it's it's either people just coming to teams because oh, this can't just this team has a better chance to win than another team. You know, or well. You know, my friends are this, you know, Heat fan, so let me become a Heat fan, you know? Unfortunate. Well, I, I think, you know, you're saying, well, you know, it's sports and you never know how things are going to go. All right, yeah, you're right about that. But this this wasn't just any sporting event. This no. is the deciding game of the NBA Finals. Well, it could have been the deciding Yeah, exactly. Okay. Could so, have, well, I mean, it was... Oh, yeah, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, it, it was an elimination game, okay? Yeah. Uh, and I know uh, uh, Sidekick is in the uh, chat room, and he'll 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 jump all over me for for me using that word. That it was an elimination game. That's a little joke between he and I. But uh, uh, it, you know, you don't walk out of this. And as you point out, Jonathan, I mean, look, even if I were a Heat fan, yeah. okay, and let's just say for a moment that San Antonio won the game, I'm going to stick around nonetheless just to see the, you know, the the, the whole. Celebration thing for San Antonio. I'm going to stick for that. Why not? I mean, because listen, I'm a sports fan. Ma- I'm not going to walk out of there pissed off. There's been many fans that have sat there, you know, maybe hung their head a little bit, like, man, we were so close. But you know, this is a part of history right now. This is part of sports history. What the hell? Why not watch it? Because will my team ever make it back to the NBA Finals in my lifetime? You know, it's funny. Both my uh, all three of my kids know this. Uh, that you know, I had partial season tickets. Uh, plans for the Philadelphia Phillies back in like 96, 97, 98. Not very good teams we were putting on the field back at that time. In fact, pretty bad teams. And I would go down and I would take the kids down with me. And they knew we didn't leave until after the ninth inning. Yeah. We stuck for the whole thing. I don't care how bad the score was. And they frequently refer refer to that. All my kids refer to the fact that, hey, dad always stuck until the very, very end. It didn't matter what the score was. And it shouldn't matter what the score is. You have to sit there, man. You got to take it. I've seen so many fans leave games, Mike, and you know the game turns around and the other team wins. Sure. I listen. I don't. I don't judge. If I'm sitting there at a Phillies game that's really, really bad, and it's uh, you know the middle of the eighth, 
and I'm seeing people leaving. I'm not I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to sit there and judge them. Yeah. I'm not going to say they're horrible, horrible fans. Um, unless, unless they are the horrible fans. I'm unless, saying it. Unless it were a playoff game, I'm not going to judge them. The horrible that's, fans, you'll suck. That's just not the way that I I operate. I don't operate that way. I stick to the end. I, I don't care. I don't care what the team is. I don't care what the score is. Yeah. Well, that's why it makes you a real fan, Mike. Well, guess what? Now it's time to talk a little bit of New York Mets baseball, and let's connect here with our very special guest, Tanya Mercado from CityFieldOfDreams.com. Tanya, what's going on? Hi, guys. How are you? How are we doing, Tanya? Not bad, not bad. How's it well, going today? You, you better be feeling good after uh, two wins last night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm feeling absolutely fantastic. I was completely thrilled by it. I mean, the Mets... And the fans, they definitely got a, a taste of what the future is going to look like. And the fans should be excited because you have this, what could potentially be the biggest one-two punch. And then you have Nisa in the three spot. Markham needs to be sent down. I'm sorry. I don't care. Markham's a piece of crap. I'll say it. And then you, ha- and then you would have um, you'd have G and then Hefner. Yeah, and I, I agree. Think, I think that's a pretty good rotation. Yeah, well, we spoke a little bit about that uh, earlier in the day, you and I, and uh, I, I totally agree with you on that one. But uh, before we do that, you wrote a piece uh, just a couple of days ago. We spoke about this on Monday, uh, about Costas's comments, uh, you know, when Kirk Nice hit his walk-off home run. Uh, we spoke about it here, but now Bob Costas come out, and he uh, privately apologized to the New York Mets. Uh, why don't you let some of our listeners know, what did you think about Costas's comments um, during this walk-off home run, and, you know, because it doesn't just affect the Mets. I mean, this could have been any other team that probably could have got blasted that day, but let the, you know, let, let our listeners know, especially baseball fans, what did you think of Bob Costa's comments, and was his private apology to the Mets enough? I think he came off as an arrogant, pop, pompous, disgruntled juvenile twit. I think he's a jackass to say what he said, mm-hmm. and for somebody who people would love to see as the next commissioner for Major League Baseball, I think he's a moron. And if you can't figure out why it's so important to celebrate a walk-off win, then you have no business being a commissioner. Because then you just don't understand the game. No. No. So, now, the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with that. Now, wh- now, what do you think about his private apology to uh, to the Mets? The apology, I heard about it, but I didn't get to, I didn't read about it just yet. But mm-hmm. personally, I don't give a crap about his apology. He said it, okay? Whether people say it was tongue-in-cheek or what have you, it was uncalled for, okay? Just because he, he's bitter because he had to work on Father's Day. Guess what? My father had to work on Father's Day, too, but you don't see my father walking around being a jackass about it. Yeah. So, well, I mean, tell Costas go to hell. Yeah, I mean, I read about it, and Mike and I spoke a little bit about it, and I and I and I said, and I said to Mike, you know what? If you're going to publicly bash a team like that, you should have a public apology. Number one, and number two, I mean, he bashed everybody that was celebrating that day. The Mets fans were celebrating. I think the uh, you know fans sh- should get an apology just as much as the Mets should. Mm-hmm. I agree. I don't see why he's just apologizing to the Mets because it wasn't just an insult to the Mets; it was also to the fan base himself. You have yeah. fathers who are there with their children. It's a memorable moment. For all you know, a lot of these families are there for the very first time. It's a walk yeah. win. It's a great thing, especially when Newland Heights has just came back up from the minors. A three-way yeah, it was, that, is, that is the best way to win a game. 
Well, absolutely, and that's another thing Mike and I spoke about, too. I mean, there's a lot of people there. I mean, who's not going to celebrate a walk-off home run? I mean, yeah, whatever. Right now, they're 12 and a half games back, but the NL East is so mediocre beyond the Atlanta Braves. I mean, anything can happen. They're only a couple of games back from Philly. They're only a couple of games back from Washington. Like I told Mike, and Mike agreed, right, Mike? I said they could easily take over third or second place by the end of the You never know. Oh, easily. Uh, yeah. You know, though, I think it goes to – I think Costas' comments go to the heart of something – uh, you know, I don't look at it necessarily that he was directing at the at the Mets. Yes, his comments referred to the Mets, but it, it goes to something a little bit deeper, and that is the concept of fans rooting for their team and teams celebrating in, in crucial moments. Uh, for God's sake, the, the, the Phils the other night celebrated a walk-off single by Dominic Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a walk-off single. All right, now wait a minute. What you, what you had happen the other day on Father's Day was a walk-off what was it? Three run home run. Three run home run. As you pointed out, Jonathan, from a guy who has just come back up from the minors after he was uh, relegated there because he wasn't playing well. Yeah, was this he batting one fourteen? Yeah, he's batting one fourteen. Yeah. I mean, come on, it's a great thing for Kirk Newenice, yeah. and it's a great thing for the fans that were there on Father's Day. Come on, right, right. And I think that that's where where his comments were just so absolutely ludicrous. Now, some have surmised that you know it was it was Costas's. A uh, cerebral way of being kind of tongue-in-cheek and a little bit sarcastic. But uh, the, the problem with Costas, I think, recently has been nobody's quite sure when he's being serious and when he's not. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the problem. He's getting misconstrued an awful lot recently. <laughs> well, whose fault uh, is that? <laughs> well, no, so I, absolutely. I'm blaming it on him. <laughs> yeah. I don't think right, what, from. Yeah, I, whatever. I wasn't a big fan of Costas. But, you know, screw Bob Costas. We already spoke enough about that. Let's speak about last night's games. Um, as we all know, Tanya, Matt Harvey is just in beast mode. Unfortunately, he's only 6-1, and one, but, of course, you have to account that to the Mets can't score runs, and there's been a few games he left where he should have gotten a win. We'll get to that right after this. But then we have Zach Wheeler's debut last night. A little bit of the future. Zach Wheeler, six innings pitch, four hits, five base on both seven strikeouts. No runs, no earned runs last night. You watched the game. What did you think of Zach Wheeler's debut? And is this what we can expect from Zach Wheeler in the future? I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And I think it's exactly what you can expect. I mean, you have a guy, nerve. I mean, I can't even imagine how nervous he was during his debut. And then he walked five. He got into jam after jam, managed to get out of the jams without even a single one being scored. I think that is phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, and to think that he just came up from the minors, he he plays in AAA, one of the worst, in the worst ballpark in all of AAA. Yep. Okay, and then he comes up here and then he just dominates. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Now, seven, what was it, seven strikeouts? That's yeah, seven strikeouts, fifth. yes. Seven Ks, yeah. He's fifth in the Mets Major League debuts among rotation pitchers with seven strikeouts. Harvey yeah. has 14, so obviously Harvey's in first place. Oh, yeah. But I think I think this is just beyond fantastic. And to see that this is just one game, I can't wait to see how he progresses as he goes mm-hmm. along. Yeah. Well, Mike, you weren't impressed last night, right, with Zach Wheeler? Well, let me, let me ask Tanya a question here real quick before I give my, my general overall impression about it. Um, is is this a trial run for Wheeler, or, or, or is he now a regular part of this rotation? In all honesty, he should be a regular part of the rotation. He he does not belong in the minors anymore. He showed that last night, and I would agree that he should be staying up here. 
I don't mm. think he can learn anything else down in AAA. You know, the only thing, like I said, was the five walk. He had a little bit of control issues, but that can be fixed right. up here. Especially right. if you're if you're pitching in one of the worst ballparks, the pitching in AAA, right. you're not going to learn anything else. You're just going to end up getting hurt. So you're better yes. off just coming up to the majors, taking your lumps up here. The season, many people believe that this season is shot to hell. Personally, I don't believe that. I still think that the Mets have a shot if they do things right. And doing things right is keeping Wheeler up here where he belongs, letting him take his lumps while here. If the Mets did not get anywhere because of it, because he loses too many games, so what? At least he took his lumps. At least he's learning. And to be able to learn with Matt Harvey and Jonathan Meese, I think, would be fantastic. It would be even better if Santana was around, but that's not the case. But I think Wheeler does need to stay in the majors. Okay, but let me get back to the genesis of it. I mean, uh, Wheeler was obviously brought up under certain conditions. And forgive me, I, 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 you know, I don't get all the New York Mets news down here in Philadelphia. What were the circumstances that actually had Wheeler being inserted into the rotation? Was somebody out? I'm sorry, well, Say your question again, because you cut off. Okay. I, I'm saying, what were the circumstances that put Wheeler into the rotation at this time right now? Was there somebody out of the regular rotation? Is there somebody that's down or hurt? Um, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised with everybody and their mother when it comes to the Mets, they get hurt. I'm surprised <laughs> that they even have a team at this point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, in, in all honesty, the Mets are just desperate at this point. They're desperate to get their fans excited about something. They're desperate for for good pitching, solid pitching. Markham is a piece of crap. Okay? Mm-hmm. They're not gonna get anywhere with Markham in the rotation. So you know what? Insert Wheeler. See see what see what he's got. Okay? Show the fans books. And I think in all honesty, I really think that it was a desperate move on Alderson's part because Alderson recently I think believe it was this past weekend that he had a meeting with the season ticket holder saying, Oh, we're moving in the right direction, just be patient and that and the other thing. Patience only goes so far. You need to put up or shut up. And I think mm-hmm. that just having Wheeler come up and pitch, I think is the way is Alvis's way of saying, look, this is what we got. I'm putting, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm showing you where we're at right now. Wheeler, without, without a doubt, Wheeler is definitely going to be in that rotation next year. I don't doubt that. Oh, but absolutely. All right, I would agree. He should, yeah. He should absolutely stay up here. It doesn't matter what the reason was. If it was whether to make the fans believe more, to do something with the season, the season ticket holders, this, that, or the other thing, he has to stay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, great thing here. Chipper Jones, of course, New York Mets' favorite rival uh, probably in the history of New York Mets, uh, just took the Twitter a little less than an hour ago saying, boy, I'm glad I retired, would not want to face Harvey and Wheeler five or six times a year for the next ten years. Those boys were electric yesterday. Mm-hmm. Getting praises from Chipper to Mets. Wow. Never thought Everybody I'd see that. Is. Everybody That's is praising this kid. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Marlon Bird was even quoted as saying that he would never want to hit with Wheeler. Because he would say, Wheeler, Wheeler will just screw me up completely. He'll mess up my swing completely. No, no. You know, there's so many other major league players out there who have been commenting about Wheeler, saying how awesome his stuff is and how he would not want to they don't want to face them. So yeah. if, if he's getting comments like that from major league players right now, and he's not even fully in the organization just yet, then imagine when he's actually here. Yeah. So that's well, it's funny that he's getting those comments. Even, yeah, because it's funny he's getting those comments from people that aren't even watching him. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm loving it. 
you know, I can't remember the last time when anybody said that they actually feared a men's pitching staff. But was it Doc Gooden? That was mm. the last time? Yeah. Might be. So, yeah. And the fact that they have that now, and, the, and not for nothing, but Mets fans pissed me off because they were like, trade Mueller if you have to. No, dumbass. You do not no. trade Mueller. You keep him. No. Right. Right. Especially if it's Justin Upton, which was the rumor in the offseason. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, looking back in the crystal ball, you know that's a bad one now. Oh, well, not even that. I mean, you know, just turn, you know, just looking at this show. Okay, yeah, so you're going to trade Wheeler, uh, you know, over to Arizona. And, I mean, Justin Upton's hitting good. He's playing good for the Atlanta Braves. There's no question about it. But is but, a, a hitting outfielder, you know, that mu- you know, mean that much more to a team like the Mets who are still rebuilding? And guess what? They're probably going to put out two of the best pitchers in the future. So, right, right. I mean, pitching was always, I mean, pitching is the the part of the game. I mean, come on. Tanya, let me ask you a question. You brought up a number of uh, positive things that Mets fans have to look forward to into the future. Uh, and you, no, no, Tanya even said that. She no, you know, I know, I know. I'm just got to look at what the future is. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, though, let me ask you, uh, you, you've got your finger kind of on the pulse of what Mets fans are feeling right now. What's the general feeling from Mets fans about this team this year? I'm sorry, say that again. What's the general feeling from Mets fans about this team this year? Mets fans absolutely hate this team. Right, I know. <laughs> you know, they love they love the fact that Wheeler they love what they saw last night and that's what they want. They want that to keep going. Mets fans truly really feel that if if it's gonna be a situation where they're not gonna have Wheeler around, then there's really nothing to look forward to. So they, the Mets fans, they want to believe something. But in order for them to believe in something, you have to give them something to believe in. And Wheeler is that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I Personally, yeah. I've always tried to give fans a reason to believe in this team. But the way Alderson has completely screwed things up, I really – personally, a lot of the fans feel that way too because he's not doing what needs to be done, like firing the hitting coach. You know, yeah, you have the pitching now, but what about the hitting? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where Mets fans are really, really frustrated with. That's where Mets fans are just like, damn it, you know, what is it going to take for Alderson to see that the hitting is the problem now, not so much the pitching? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I kind of compare, and I, you know, Tanya, you might recall I was on with you preseason on your, on your own program there, where we talked a lot about the Mets and we talked about the NL East. And there's a great deal of comparison, in my opinion, between what we're dealing with down here in Philadelphia with the Phils and with what you guys are dealing with up there with the Mets. Except the way that I see it is the two teams are going in opposite directions. The Mets are moving up. I think the Phils are moving down. We here, I, I, would, I would say that the Philadelphia fan base here is not annoyed at this team. We're not angry at the Philadelphia Phils. We look at them and say they are what they are. There's nothing more we can do about it. This mm-hmm. team's going to have to blow itself up and go from there. Mm-hmm. And yet you're saying you've got a Mets team up there that is looking to the future, and yet your fan base is not happy. And that I don't they're understand. Not, they're not happy because they're impatient. They've right. been, since Alderson has, was, came into play, he's been saying, yes, we're moving in the right direction. Yes, we're moving the, in the right direction. But in all honesty, since Alderson has taken over, the Mets have, have lost more and more games. They haven't mm-hmm. been going in the right direction. They're they're taking steps back. Personally, mm-hmm. I think yes. Sometimes you have to take steps back in order to take steps forward. But 
the, the general fan base doesn't see it that way. They see right. it that since you came, we've been losing every year. We've lost more and more games. Okay, the batting averages have been going down, down, down. So then, if that's the case, then you can't expect the fan base to be like, okay, we're moving in the right direction now. When Wheeler came up, and then you see the potential of that of that epic one-two punch that they're going to have. Now the fans are the fan base is starting to get excited. They're like, oh my god, we can't wait till this is a permanent thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, until yeah. until the Mets actually start moving up in the standings, the fan base is not going to be motivated. Well, yeah, absolutely. And Mike, you know what? The, you know, there's a big difference between the Mets and the Phillies. Too. You guys are just semi coming off of a World Series championship, 2008. Basically. And in between the Mets and that championship, I mean, it's 22 years. So, no, I understand. You know, 25 plus years without a championship, of course, a lot of people are going to be, you know, what the hell is going on here? So, sure. No, and I was, I was kind of actually waiting for that, for that response yeah. here, Jonathan. There is a difference, and I understand the difference. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that yeah. is that we have won more recently than you guys have. But, yeah. but you guys haven't won a championship since 1986. I guarantee you, Phillies fans would not be happy right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would not. And, and you know, that goes for anything. Yeah. Yeah. That goes right there. All right, well, Tanya, you and I spoke. Um, hitting coach has to go. We both agreed with that. I gave you a little bit of a scenario of why I think he's not going. Why do you think that these moves aren't being made by the Mets? I don't think Allison has – well, you know what? I'm just going to be blunt. Allison doesn't have the ball. Mm-hmm. I think he really wants to believe that, you know, that it's working, but it's not. The batting averages have shown it. You know, he doesn't have what it takes. The hitting coach doesn't have what it takes to put the team in the right direction. Ever since he's come, the averages have been dropping by, like, 10 points or more mm-hmm. every year. Okay, they're dropping further and further away in the standing as far as averages go. You know, now they're they're almost, like, in last place, I believe. Maybe, like, yeah. four, I think, four up from last, which is sad. And the fact that Alderson hasn't done something about that, that alone doesn't make me believe in Alderson. Because Omar Minaya, say what you want about Omar Minaya, say what you want about Steve Phillips, they had the ball to fire people if need be. And even if it was Valentine who brought in his own people, Phillips said, you know what, it's not working, I'm pulling it, I'm going to give you somebody else, you're going to have to make that work. And I think the same thing has to be, has to be said with Collins. You know what? You had the chance to pick your staff. Your staff is not working. I'm pulling out somebody out from your staff, and I'm going to give you somebody new. Mm-hmm. I was going to keep talking about, oh, I'm going to bring in a player. I'm going to bring in this player. I'm going to bring in that player. Okay, well, you keep talking about money being this, money being that. Why not just fire your coach right now, bring in a, hidden, a new hitting coach, and see what he can do with this, with this staff? Because these guys are going down to AAA. They're doing better in AAA. Granted, it is a hitter's ballpark, but even um, – even when they're on the road, they're doing better. Yeah. And when they're on the road, it's pitchers' ballpark. So then, if that's the case, clearly the problem is the hitting coach and not just the players. Mm-hmm. Marlon Bird himself, he doesn't really he doesn't really work with the hitting coach. He works on his own. He he takes videos himself. He sees what he's doing. He's working on his mechanics. And look, he's been doing a lot better. Seven hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I'll take that. Seven hundred thousand dollars. And look what Marlon Bird has done. Yeah. And it's yeah. not like he's actually listening to the hitting. To the hitting coach, he's doing what he what he needs to do because he doesn't feel like it's working. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, the future does look bright as of this moment, but it's gonna 
really have to come to this offseason and see what happens. I, I honestly believe, Mike, uh, and, and I spoke to Tanya about this, I think the reason that the Mets aren't making these moves is because they already knew the season was going to be a wash. Um, and, you know what, why, you know, fire these guys and bring in new guys when there's a potential that, you know what, Terry Collins, 99% sure he's not even going to be back next season. Well, now, uh, so, he's on the last year of his contract. Yeah, but this is what I'm saying. Now, why would you fire the hitting coach, fire all these guys when you're ready exactly. playing mediocre baseball exactly. to bring in new guys because, you're most likely just to fire when you're bringing a new manager next year? So. Because in 1999, the same problem happened. Steve Phillips came in and he fired the hitting coach. And what happened? The Mets actually made it into the playoffs. And they weren't that great. Everybody thought that they weren't going to go anywhere. But, in, but on but, June, he, yeah. he took the initiative and he said, you know what, I'm firing this guy and bringing, bringing in a new hitting coach. Everything clicked at that moment. Whether it's uh, his, yeah, whether but it's you know, you're comparing guys time. like, yeah, yeah, but you're, you're also comparing players like Robin Ventura and John Ulrich to, uh, you know, some of the crap that's on the Mets team this year. So it's, uh, you know, they had a good team back then with a decent manager. Now it's, eh. You know, Terry Collins, I wasn't thrilled with that hiring anyway. I thought that was the worst move the Mets possibly made. So, But, you know, you have to wonder, if, did Olison think it was going to be a wash? Let's just throw Collins in there for a couple of seasons while rebuild and focus on getting a, a, an actual big league manager, you know, when it's ready to go? I don't know. Uh, you know what? I think that could possibly be I, next season. Yeah, I've kind of been insinuating that almost from the beginning of the season. Yeah, because that's the understood the hiring of Terry Collins. Nobody. Right. Not you too. <laughs> Nobody did. All right. Well, Tanya, we uh, thanks so much for taking the time out of your schedule today to join us to talk Mets uh, baseball. And we hope to uh, have you on in the future, maybe when the season gets going. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> thanks so much. All right, Tanya. Take care. Bye, guys. All right. Yes, when the season is going, because this season is not going. Right. Uh, but that's what I think, Mike. I think, you know what, why bring in – New people when, you know what, you're potentially going to bring in a new manager and they're going to just get probably go anyway, you know? Well, and the management of the team probably can see the handwriting on the wall itself. Um, when I talk about the management, I mean the coaching management. Yeah. I mean, Collins knows he's playing in the last year of his contract. And, and again, I kind of draw the similarity between the Mets right now and, and, and the Phils. Manuel's in the same position. Yes. Playing in the last year of a contract. No extension been awarded. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is, these guys probably are sitting back and looking at it and going, you know, we're we're probably not going to be here next year. And make no mistake, Jonathan, you know as well as I do that some of that is going to rub off onto the players in the locker room. Oh, they know what the deal is. Oh, yeah. Listen, man, look at this New York Mets roster, Mike. 80, 80% of those players aren't going to be back. They're not. I'm sorry. You know, Alderson said it himself. He goes, the core of this team is guys like – Dan Murphy and David Wright. I don't consider a guy like Lucas Duda a, a big part of this team. I don't consider most of these guys a big part of the team. He said it himself. Mm-hmm. So if you don't consider these players a big part of the team, why are you going to make these management moves now when you know coming this offseason going into next season, it's going to be all new management anyway? Well, and, and this would be the appropriate time. Maybe not just yet. Not at this particular moment in the season. But shortly. Maybe right after the All-Star break or whenever. This would be the appropriate time. To, hey, let's bring a couple of guys up from the from uh, AAA, yeah. and let's see what they're made of. Let's see if they can work into this into this team. Yeah, now you've got yourself a look at what the future really could be mm-hmm. uh, going into next season to make those decisions. Yeah. Well, look at it. You know what? They're going to have about forty-five to fifty million dollars to spend this offseason. That's the best shape the Mets have been in in a few years. I mean, everybody's like, "Oh, you're a New York team; you should have the money." No, because I, whatever you look at it or not, the whole 
Madoff thing. I mean, listen, if you don't got the money, you don't got the money. No, it doesn't matter where you are. Well, now Alderson, you know, he's you know he scrimped, he saved, he put you know he put a lot of crappy players on his team. Right. But until you get into a better financial position, you have to. You know? Well, I make no mistake. I mean, this is a mess we're talking about. It's not the Yankees, okay? No. So just because it's New York, it, it doesn't necessarily translate. No, when the Mets are winning, I mean. The money's there, but you know what? When they're not winning, you got guys on your team like Colin Cowgill. You know, it's right. Who wants to be there? I mean, honestly, the only legit players on this team, from a position standpoint, are Dan Murphy and David Wright. Absolutely, I agree. It's a hell of a lot more players on the field after that. When Travis D'Arnaud comes up, Mike, and gets ready to play, right. when Wheeler's a big part of this rotation, I mean, now you're going to have some players that are going to be marketable. You're going to have some players that are going to want to come to play with these guys, and you're going to have the money to spend. What obligation to um, – and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm just asking it rhetorically. I mean, maybe you don't even know. Yeah. What obligation do the Mets have uh, to any portion of that stadium financing yet? Oh, I have no idea. Because you've you got to know that stadium's not a wholly, fully financed. Oh, no. No. I, I, honestly, I, I, I don't remember what happened with that whole stadium deal. I'm sure they have some sort of obligation to it. I'm sure they do. I mean, I think they were uh, – I think most of their money was sunk into it. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, between that and the whole Madoff thing and even right. all the money being invested in SNY, mm-hmm. right. come on, you know what? But next year, I mean, listen, man, $50 million uh, in baseball for some role players can go a long way. So hopefully they use it. Let's talk about this, Mike. Uh, John Heyman over at CBSSports.com uh, reporting today that bands are likely, and the MLB is now starting to interview players that are uh, a part of the whole biogenesis probe. Uh, they're convinced that at least some of the suspensions will be handed down very soon in, in this uh, explosive case, as they're saying. Right. Um, are you happy that they're going to be doing this now, finally, or what? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously I am. I want to see this thing move, and I want to start seeing it move um, a- a- along a little quicker than it has up to this point. I think this article, though, uh, it gives me a little bit uh, – re- gives me a reason to be calm because I think it becomes obvious by reading through this uh, as I did, uh, Jonathan, as, as I read through it, I think what Major League Baseball is doing is they don't want to go off uh, half-cocked. Mm-hmm. They don't want to go uh, firing off uh, penalty suspensions to a handful of guys and then miss a bunch of others. Uh, I, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to get everything together, and it's going to be done in, in, in a very wide-sweeping blanket sort of way where you're going to have as we've talked about before, we could we could end up having a day uh, show up here where all of a sudden we've got twenty guys suspended. Yeah, and it's, I think uh, that that's why they're taking their time. I really, I think it's, I think it's, you know, what, what's the old phrase? They're doing their due diligence here. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't wait for it to come down. Also, uh, yesterday coming out from a story over at uh, thevictoryformation.com, dot com, the guy who originally gave the reports uh, to the uh, Miami paper. Right. Porter Fisher, that worked for Biogenesis, uh, came out was talking about how the uh, two MLB investigators, both ex-NYPD cops, came up to him to uh, spoke to him, speak to him about this. And he told him, listen, you know what, I, I don't care what you guys do. I fear for my life. I fear right. about getting a bull in my head. And he called the MLB leaders the biggest scumbags on earth. Yep, yep. So it's, you know, it's going to get interesting. I think a lot more stuff is going to come out that isn't out yet, Mike. It's amazing. I mean, I read over that that piece that you did send over last evening, and yep. uh, uh, they were saying that you know the story read like some sort of made-for-TV movie. Basically, uh, you know, the cloak and dagger, the the slimy side of 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 the, the crime scenes. Um, 
what I did not realize, Jonathan, is that the guy, the informant, uh, what was his name? Do you have it? The Porter Fisher. Okay. He apparently broke this story uh, because of money that was owed. We're talking $4,000. Mm-hmm. He he blew this story open for four thousand dollars that was owed to him. Yeah, that's an amazing. I mean that that's incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Yep. We're not talking tens of of thousands. We're not talking hundreds of thousands. We're talking four thousand dollars. He's blown this case open. Yeah. If everybody's uh, interested in reading that, go over to uh, thevictoryformation.com. A story by Dave K over there about Porter Fisher and the biogenesis stuff. Uh, interesting read, actually. It's it's really interesting. Uh, some of the comments he made, there's going to be, I mean, just the shadiness of everybody involved, Mike, yep. in this entire situation, and that includes Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Uh, I mean, a lot more stuff is going to come out, Mike. I think we're really going to be shocked, and uh, you know, we might get our socks knocked off for a few things that might come out, I think. It, it might. Uh, you know, of course, uh, one of the things that this one article that you pointed out uh, uh, that you sent over this morning from CBS Sports uh, you know, we're waiting to see exactly how the Players Association is going to play this one. Yeah, it seems that there's not enough evidence against Ryan Bronda. <laughs> so he might get off pretty easy, but they said a lot of it goes points towards Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. Can't wait to see what happens, man. Yeah, this, uh, this, I think, uh, I, I think it could move pr- fairly quickly, albeit, like I said, Jonathan, I think uh, this is not going to be the kind of thing where it's going to be protracted where you're going to hear about a couple of guys being suspended, and then maybe you go a week, maybe 10 days, and you're going to hear about more guys being suspended. I think what Major League Baseball is looking to do is do it all at once. Bam. Just knock them out. Yeah. Watch those mysterious injuries come up where uh, players are going to miss the whole season now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's look at the uh, MLB standings real quick because we've got a couple other things to talk about here. Uh, Boston still leads the AL East uh, two and a half games up on Baltimore. Detroit out in the AL Central, four-and-a-half game lead over Cleveland. AL West, Oakland with a three-game lead over Texas, Mike. They're still playing some good baseball in Oakland. And at least last night, uh, we saw the Mets beat the Atlanta Braves, who are in first place in uh, a doubleheader. Uh, they have a seven-game lead over both the Philadelphia and the Washington Nationals. Mets are only 12-and-a-half games back, Mike. There's a lot of baseball to be played, so yep. something we always spoke about. NL Central, St. Louis Cardinals, uh, they have a two-and-a-half game lead over Cincinnati. And in the mediocre NL West, the Arizona Diamondbacks with a one-and-a-half game lead over both the Giants and the Rockies, Mike. Yep, and that Oakland A's team playing very, very well considering some of the recent <laughs> things that have occurred uh, with them with their uh, own home uh, ballpark. <laughs> their raw sewage. <laughs> wow, what a mess that is. Where it was, what, Who were they playing uh, the other day? Where they, they actually had to uh, – both teams were in the same locker room. Yeah. I forget who it was that they were playing. Uh, uh, I think was it the Indians or, or was it the Angels? Ain't, uh, I don't think it was the Angels. I can't remember who it was, but they were forced to shower in the uh, Raiders locker room. Yep. yep. In the Raiders showers together because of uh, the raw sewage uh, just pouring out everywhere. Disgusting. Yep. Disgusting. Um, NHL Stanley Cup Finals, Mike. We had a game Monday uh, right after our show, and uh, wow, two nothing Bruins over the Blackhawks, Mike. We said it. The Bruins have been playing the better hockey. Um, and now they lead 2-1. to one. Uh, Tuka Rask made 28 saves. Crawford made 33 for the Blackhawks. And Bruins are still able to get goals from Bergeron and Paillet. Yep. Wow. Um, so far, a very, very exciting Stanley Cup Finals, Mike. T- uh, tonight, we have Game 3, uh, 8 o'clock on NBC. Where do you see that one going, Mike? 
<sighs> I'd love to say that Chicago is going to come out and 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 uh, even the series up, but I my gut feeling is telling me uh, you got to go with uh, you got to go with Boston. You got to go with the big physical team that just seems to be playing the better hockey this entire playoffs, Mike. Yep. I mean, yep. seriously, they are just playing. And you know what? I hate to give the Boston Bruins so much credit, Mike. Uh, but uh, honestly, they're the best team in hockey this year. Uh, you know what? Blackhawks had the better record, but the Bruins have been playing the better hockey. They have been for a while now, and you can just see it in everything. That I mean, even David Krejci, man, he's just nine goals, fourteen assists, twenty-three points, leading the, you know leading the Bruins in stats. There, they're just playing good hockey. Everybody is chipping in. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Everybody. Uh, I'll tell you the guy that always impresses me every time he steps onto the ice is uh, Patrice Bergeron. The guy's just incredible. Yeah. Bergeron's just been, been just really wonderful. Boston right now this evening favored by a puck and a half to win that game. Yeah, Boston's winning it. Uh, honestly, um, if Chicago doesn't win any other games in this series, I, I wouldn't be shocked. It wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, I really wouldn't be shocked, so... We'll see what happens. It does uh, not surprise me in the least. Yeah. Hey, Mike, our good friend uh, Brooklyn Daniel over at Russell Chat just hit me up saying that, uh, and, and I did read this this morning, that uh story came out that A-Rod actually brought in that Anthony Bosch from Biogenesis uh, during the ALCS to help him break uh, out of his one-for-ninth slump. So he actually had him at the ALCS, Mike. Are you serious? Yeah, I got the story Brett just sent out. I actually read it this morning. I think I got it texted to me. And... Uh, Totally forgot about it, unfortunately, but I just sent you over the link. Wow. So you can take a read for that yourself later, and uh, who knows? I'm sure more stuff will come out. We can talk about it on Friday. Let's talk about another crazy, crazy story, Mike, out of uh, the uh, National Football League, and this, uh, let's keep it in uh, New England. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Aaron, Aaron Hernandez from New England Patriots, who's basically uh, a suspect in a murder, Mike, in a homicide. Yeah, this doesn't uh, this doesn't look good. It Really doesn't look good. Uh, reading this right now from the score.com. Um, just going to read the uh, last paragraph to have here. Earlier this morning, Hernandez uh, drove away with a woman in a passenger in the seat of his Audi. The link between Hernandez and the body discovered by a jogger on Monday, later identified as 27 year old Odin Lloyd of Dorchester, uh, is a rented Chevrolet Suburban. Both the car and the victim's body were found roughly a mile away from Aaron Hernandez's home in both. Uh, and now it's saying that Odin has been referred to as an associate mm-hmm. of Aaron Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Uh, police are not ruling him out as a suspect, and Aaron Hernandez has been very, very, very uncooperative with the police. Mike, mm-hmm. this doesn't look good. Uh, no, it doesn't. And, uh, I, you know, I've, I've sat here and I've thought about it a little bit here this morning. I thought, you know, if this uh, – if this all blows over and it's it's determined that in fact Hernandez is a victim of I guess circumstance or something that it all just kind of looks like there was some sort of connection but maybe there's a reasonable explanation for it all you got to wonder whether people are ever going to be able to kind of shake it you know what i mean i mean once you get kind of caught up in something like this it can carry with you whether you're innocent or or not. Well, you know? yeah. Uh, I'm I for one am hoping that it all you know that there's a reasonable explanation for everything. Uh, but uh, wow, it, uh, yeah, I mean, with everything that they're reporting at this point right now, it certainly doesn't appear to be good. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'd with wish, I'd almost wish 
the media would stop reporting on it and wait until everything. Well, I mean, it's 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 the media is going to report on it. You know, they're not going to stop reporting on it, especially on a homicide case that's going to be linked to a New England Patriot. Come on. Sure, but there's so much yeah. speculation at this point. Yeah, but I mean, everything that's been coming out. Um, uh, I hate to say it, man. I mean, you know, the finger's slightly starting to point a little further up at Aaron Hernandez, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, you or know, uh, you know, for him, uh, well, not for him. I mean, if he's, you know, if he did it, I mean, it's his own fault. You know, good or, deserves to be thrown in jail. But, um, wow, wow, come on, uh, you know, this is nuts. Now, no Gronk, possibly no Aaron Hernandez. Is that Tim Tebow sign to look a little better for them if they put him yeah. at tight end? Yeah, we, we were, you know, a lot of people were joking about that last night over on Facebook and on Twitter. That uh, oh, I guess uh, you know the Patriots did the right thing in, in acquiring Tebow now at this point. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, um, you know, they're talking about the one guy being an associate, and I made the comment uh, last night here at the frat house, and I made it to you uh, pre-show, Jonathan. You know, you say associate anymore in uh, football and even in any kind of athletic uh, thing anymore. You, you you really don't know what that means. You well, know, yeah, I mean, you know, is is this guy, uh, you know, washing his clothes? Is he hanging out in his posse? Is he right. washing his car? Does he help him work some of his charities? I mean. What the hell does an associate mean anymore in sports? Exactly. I mean, you're 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 suddenly sitting there. You know, years ago, you'd hear the term associate connected with, uh, say, a, a major athlete, and you would say, "Oh, okay, it's a business associate. It's somebody who works with in business on something on this on the side." Uh, now, uh, the first thing I think of is, uh, "Okay, it's 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 a part of the posse," you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. Well, ABC News uh, reporting that the investigation is far from being completed and that the cops did search Aaron Hernandez's home yesterday. So, uh, Right. Apparently, they did actually remove some things from the house. Apparently. Yeah. That doesn't sound good. Anytime uh, somebody, a cop comes and search your house and if they remove things, that really doesn't <laughs> sound good. They really? took out uh, a box out of uh, a box full of stuff. Have you have you been in that situation before, Jonathan? No. <laughs> oh, no. I thought perhaps no. you had some first-hand knowledge of this. Thankfully not. No, I've seen people go through it, but not me. Oh, okay, okay. Thank <laughs> the heavens. Um, yeah, so that's not good. Uh, feel bad for uh, John Leary over there at Sports Blogger Radio. So you got a lot of stuff to talk about tomorrow on Sports Blogger Radio. Yeah, it's a good thing it's going to an hour program now. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about this real quick, Mike, because uh, I thought this was funny, but also uh, you and me have a couple of comments about this. We have a little over five minutes left in the show. Um, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie revealed that he's not a Giants fan, he's not a Jets fan, and he's not an Eagles fan because, as you know, Mike, in New Jersey, they don't have their own sports teams. Uh, they either think they're New York or Philadelphia. Right. And uh, <laughs> Chris Christie came out and said he is a Dallas Cowboys fan. Now, right. I, I sent this to you, and I said, this is pos- this could possibly cost him the election because – as we all know, sports and politics are one and the same for some reason. <laughs> yeah, really. um, you know, a lot of Eagles fans and a lot of uh, Jets-Giants fans down in New Jersey, they're going to be pissed at this and possibly not vote for him because it doesn't matter what you do politically, Mike. It matters what sports team you like. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the case. Uh, it is. Now, let me ask you this. Do you see sports fans not voting for Chris Christie because he is a Dallas Cowboys fan? Oh God, you know something. I I I want to say I hope not. I would hope that's not the case. You know because I just I it, what a stupid stupid reason. You know I'm waiting to see. Well I guess we'll have to wait and see who his opponent is, and then we'll be getting the sound drop of that placed into a uh, an opposition campaign ad. Huh? Is that yeah. how it's gonna go? 
Don't vote for him. He's a Cowboys fan. Exactly. You know, uh, a supporter of Dallas. <laughs> you know, you can hear the voice. You know that heavy voice coming over. You know, Chris Christie. He's a Cowboys fan. You know, you know that sort of thing. Um, but uh, can I? Could I picture um, um, voters doing that? Yeah. You know. You know something, Jonathan. Unfortunately, I I, I can. Um, I'd like to think that they're going to be the minority. Yeah, but somebody is gonna somebody's gonna vote against him for that reason. Well, Brecklin Daniel, our good friend, just wrote to me and said, "I will not not vote for him now because he's a Cowboys and Yankees fan." <laughs> I will not not. Yeah, he will not not not, not not not. Yep. He he said he might as well be a Heat or Lakers fan too. <laughs> Brett, that's a double negative, my friend. I'm not quite sure what that means. I'm not not going to vote for him. What? <laughs> no, I did that. I was uh, double reading there. Okay. Uh, it's funny because Dave K over at the Victor Information. Go ahead. You know, we're talking about them again. He said, I voted for this man, and now I have to seriously question this come November. Why? He's a fucking sports fan. Who gives a crap what team he likes? I, listen, I, I'm doing a good job. That's all that matters because politics and sports, re, you know, stupid people out there, politics and sports have nothing to do with one another. They I, don't. I, I give Chris Christie, uh, can I be honest with you? I give him a lot of credit. Uh, the way apparently all this came out was he was appearing at a school, and he was asked a, a question by – uh, a, a young student there. Yeah. Um, you know what are you what what you know who's your favorite baseball team, football team, hockey team, etc. Mm. And I think he ran right through them all. He ran through them all. He said, and in every case, it was he was a Mets fan. He was a, I think did he say Giants or Jets? I forget which one on the football. But he said he was a Rangers fan. And then, or no, I'm sorry, in football it was Dallas, right? Yeah. Baseball it was Mets. Uh, Rangers, uh, Knicks, and then he said with football, he said, well, I got to be honest, and he said, my handlers are probably going to, you know, <laughs> be wincing at this, and they're going to be reprimanding me after the fact, but I'm a Dallas fan. Yeah. And I, I give him a lot of credit. I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's just, I mean, just, just because you're in a position, you, you shouldn't have to lie about what team you like just to kiss uh, the people uh, from New Jersey's ass. I'm sorry. You shouldn't have to. Although, you know something, Jonathan, I do have to say this. Mm-hmm. You know the guy looks like a Dallas fan, if you know what I mean. He actually looks like uh, what's your name? Uh, Tony Saragusa. <laughs> he looks like Saragusa. <laughs> Got the same shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Touche. That's actually very good. Which case, then he'd be a Baltimore fan. Yeah. Well, no. Nah, Brett said he was joking. He says, uh, you know, this is exactly why he's made him. And- him himself and a lot of other uh, New Jerseyans like him is because he says what's on his mind. Exactly. He wears his part on his sleeve. These type of comments humanize him, and I wish more politicians were like this. And I totally agree with that. Chris you know, Christie, say, you know what? I voted for Obama. I like Obama. He's a Bulls fan. I'm a Knicks fan. He shouldn't be president of the United States. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. Chris Christie is going to be remembered for uh, his role he played in uh, recovery man. from the hurricane. That's oh, what he's going to be like. Remember. Giuliani with 9/11. A little bit, yeah, a little bit like that, yes. Let's just hope when uh, Christie runs for president, he doesn't say that, oh, I'm the guy who uh, rebuilt New Jersey. <laughs> Instead of Giuliani feeding off a 9-11 scumbag. All right, well, that's it for today's show, Mike. Uh, I want to thank Mitch Mercado from CityFieldOfDreams.com for joining us today to talk New York Mets baseball. Uh, also want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. Also, tomorrow... Tomorrow's Thursday? Tomorrow's Thursday. Tomorrow is Thursday, yes. Eastern time right here on Fan Junkies Radio. You can listen to Sports Blogger Radio with John Leary and Scott Blooney, who will be talking about, of course, the Boston Bruins and the Stanley Cup Finals. 
And the drama that is the Boston Celtics and Doc Rivers, and they will also be joined by Rear Admiral from BarstoolSports.com. So it's going to be a good show, 8 o'clock here tomorrow night. For you Boston sports fans, tune on in for that. So we also got to say, FrightHouseSports.net, get over there, check out Mike and the gang, and also FanJunkies.net. Sign up. It's free. It's fun. Come talk to us over there. Good times. So for Mike McShane, I'm Jonathan Raggis. We'll see you all tomorrow night for Squad Give us a listen then.